Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 46 of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. Number eight, before your conversion, before God wrought upon your souls, you were contented with the world without grace, though you had no interest in God nor Christ. Why cannot you now be contented with grace and spiritual things without the world? If you yourselves were content with the world without grace, there is reason you should be content with grace without the world. Certainly there is infinitely more reason You see that many men of the world have a kind of contentment. They do not murmur or repine with the world, though they have no interest in God and Christ. Then cannot you have as much contentment with God and Christ without the world as they can with the world without God and Christ? It is an infinite shame that this should be so. Number nine. Yea, consider, when God has given you such contentments, you have not given him the glory. When God has let you have your heart's desire, what have you done with your heart's desire? You have not been any the better for it. It Maybe you have been worse many times. Therefore, Let that satisfy you. I meet with crosses. But when I had contentment and all things coming in, God got but little or no glory from me. And therefore, let that be a means now to quiet me in my discontented thoughts. Number 10. Finally, consider all the experience that you have had of God's doing good to you in the want of many comforts. When God crosses you, have you never had experience of abundance of good in afflictions? It is true, when ministers only tell men that God will work good out of their afflictions, they hear them speak and think they speak like good men, but they feel little or no good. They feel nothing but pain But when we cannot only say to you that God has said he will work good out of your afflictions, but we can say to you that you yourselves have found it so by experience that God has made former afflictions to be great benefits to you and that you would not have been without them or without the good that came by them for a world. Such experiences will exceedingly quiet the heart and bring it to contentment. Therefore, think thus with yourself. Lord, why may not this affliction work as great a good upon me as afflictions have done before? Perhaps you may find many other consideration besides in your own meditations. These are the principal ones that I have thought of. I will add one word to this 
of one who once was a great merchant and trader. His name was Zeno. And it happened once that he suffered shipwreck, and he said, I never made a better voyage and sailed better than at the time that I suffered shipwreck. Now this was a strange saying that he had never made a better voyage. It would be a strange paradox to you who are seamen to say that it is a good voyage when you suffer shipwreck. But he meant because he got so much good by it. God was pleased to bless it so far to him that he gained much to his soul by it, so much soul riches that he made account that it was the best voyage that ever he had. Truly, sometimes it is so, yes, to you who are godly. I make no question, but you find it so, that your worst voyages have proved your best. When you have met with the greatest crosses in a voyage, God has been pleased to turn them to a greater good to you in some other way. It is true. We may desire crosses that they may be turned to other advantages, but when God in his providence so orders things that you meet with bad voyages, you may expect that God will turn them to a greater good. And I do not doubt but that those who have been exercised in the ways of godliness any long time, have abundant experiences which they have gained by them. You know sometimes it is better to be in a little ship, for they have an advantage over greater ones in storms many times. In a storm, a little ship can thrust into a shallow place and so be safe. But your great ships cannot, they must be abroad and tossed up and down in the storm and tempest and so many times split against the rocks. And so it may be, God sees there is a storm coming. And if you are in your great ship, you may be split upon rocks and lands. God therefore puts you into a smaller vessel that you may be more safe. We will lay aside speaking of these considerations now, but I would not have you lay them aside and put them out of your thoughts, but labor, those especially that most concern you, to make use of them in a needful time when you find any discontentedness of spirit arising in you. Chapter 13. How to Attain Contentment Concluded The main thing that I intend by way of application is to propound directions what to do for helping our hearts to contentment. For as for any further considerations, we have already spoken largely of them because we have opened most things in showing what the lessons are that Christ teaches men when he brings them into his school to teach them this art. I say, we have spoken there of the special things that are most considerable for helping us to this grace of contentment. Therefore now, all that I shall further do about this point will be the giving of some directions 
what course to take that we may come to attain this grace of contentment. Number one, all the rules and helps in this world will do us little good unless we get a good temper within our hearts. You can never make a ship go steady by propping it outside. You know, there must be ballast within the ship to make it go steady. And so, there is nothing outside us that can keep our hearts in a steady, constant way. But what is within us, grace is within the soul, and it will do this. Number two, if you would get a contented life, do not grasp too much of the world. Do not take in more of the business of the world than God calls you to. Do not be greedy of taking in a great deal of the world. For if a man goes among thorns, when he may take a simpler way, he has no reason to complain that he is pricked with them. You go among thorns. Is it your way? Must you, of necessity, go among them? Then it is another matter. But if you voluntarily choose that way, when you may go another, then you have no cause to complain. If men and women will thrust themselves on things of the world which they do not need, then no wonder that they are pricked and meet with what disturbs them. For such is the nature of all things here in this world, that everything has some prick or other in it. We will meet with disappointments and discontentments in everything we meddle with. And therefore, those who have least to do in the world, that is, unless God calls them to it, we must put in that, are likely to meet with many things that will dissatisfy them. Number three, be sure of your call to every business you go about. Though it is the least business, be sure of your call to it. Then whatever you meet with, you may quiet your heart with this. I know I am where God would have me. Nothing in the world will quiet the heart so much as this. When I meet with any cross, I know I am where God would have me. In my place and calling, I am about the work that God has set me. Oh, this will quiet and content you when you meet with trouble. What God calls a man to, in that he may have comfort, whatever befalls him. God will look to you and see you blessed if you are in the work God calls you to. This concludes episode 46 of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. <laughs>